Would you take your Bible tonight, please, and join me in the book of Judges, chapter 15 tonight. Judges, chapter 15, that's page number 305, if you have an old Schofield Bible. And if you don't, I think you'll probably find the book of Judges will maybe be about the, uh, I don't know, maybe sixth or seventh book of the Old Testament. And if you'll start with Genesis and just turn right, you'll eventually run into the book of Judges. We're in chapter 15. And I want to read some verses here tonight. And then I'm going to ask you, if you will, to listen as I read. But I'm going to ask you to have to, you're going to have to put your thinking cap on or I'm going to lose you in this message tonight. Not that it's a deep message, but uh, I mean the truths that I want to share will you just basically just skip right over them if you're not just careful. So please listen and, and follow me in the Word of God tonight as I uh, try to preach this to us. And then while you're turning there, don't forget Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for our live stream service once again. And please be much in prayer for our church as we move forward and get ready to hopefully open things back up again soon. I think about all of our bus workers, and we really need to pray for them. And I know many of our bus workers are going out visiting almost every Saturday just as if they were running their bus routes just so they can stay in touch with their riders. And uh, so keep everybody going. And so, uh, you know, telling them, hey, we're going to be back. It's going to open back up before long. And so please pray for our bus ministry and the bus families as well. Let's read now, beginning with verse number 8, Judges chapter 15. And I want to begin verse number 8, and then please listen to me. I'd like to read down through verse 13. Here's what the Bible said. And he smote them. And the he is a reference to Samson. So Samson smote them, the Philistines, hip and thigh with a great slaughter. And he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock Etam. Uh, then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why are you come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson are we come up to do to him as he hath done to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock Edom and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? And what is this that thou hast done unto us? And he said, Samson said unto them, As they did unto me, so have I done unto them. And they said, Now this is the men of Judah talking to Samson, And they said, We are come down to bind thee, to bind thee, Samson, that we might deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. And they spake unto him, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hand. But surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. Now, that's all I want to read tonight, but if you'll notice a couple of times, it is mentioned, this rock uh, by the name of Etam is mentioned in this text. And so tonight, for just a few minutes, I want to preach on this thought, sad confessions from the rock Edom. Sad confessions from the rock Etam. All right, stay with me. Please listen and join me when I call your attention to our text. Let's pray. Father, bless your word. Help us tonight, we pray. And Lord, I know, I know there are people that are listening or watching tonight, Lord, that need to hear what the word of God has to say. And I pray that our people will maybe just cut the TV off and put away the games and maybe just focus their attention for just a few minutes on the word of God and help us as we try to preach tonight, I pray, Jesus, I need you, I want you, I desire you. I pray you'd help us tonight, please. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Out of the uh, 13 judges that ruled over the nation of Israel, Samson, without doubt, has to be the most famous of all the judges. Who hasn't heard the story of Samson and Delilah? You know, Samson was a man who was born with a divine purpose for his life. The Bible said that when Samson was born that God told his parents that God had appointed him to deliver the nation of Israel from the oppression and the bondage of the Philistines. So God has appointed Samson to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. The Philistines have been ruling over the nation of Israel. But God has not only appointed Samson to deliver the nation, but God has also anointed Samson for this task as well. You see, Samson has been endued with a special touch of the power of the Spirit of God on his life. In fact, uh, you know, one of the things we find about Samson's life is that it's recorded more of him, more so than any other person in all of the Old Testament, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, whom God calls, God always equips. You know, God will never call me or you to do anything that He doesn't, not, that he doesn't equip us with the ability to do it. He gives us the power to carry out His plan and purpose for our life. If somebody would have told me when I was 16 or 17 years old that God was going to call me to preach, I would have said, man, you have escaped from the Lulu farm. I mean, there is no way that God's going to call somebody like me, can't even look you in the eye, can't even stand up in front of his class, no way that God's going to call somebody like me to preach. But God did it. God has a sense of humor, and God called somebody like me to preach. But then, since God appointed me to do it, God has also anointed me to do that as well. God has given me the ability, the, uh, the equipment to carry out the God-given task that, he, that He's assigned to my life. And I don't say that braggadociously, I say that humbly, because I realize what I am. And if God would ever reach down and touch somebody like me, I'm telling you, God is merciful and full of grace. However, the story of the life of Samson could be well summed up in this phrase, what might have been. You know, somebody once scribbled those words down of saddest words of tongue or a pen. The saddest are these, what might have been. And boy, that pretty well sums up the life of old Samson. You see, Samson, like so many, take for granted the uh, spiritual and the eternal that God has placed upon their life. And they spend their lives, or maybe, I, maybe even to say they waste their lives living for the natural and for the temporal. I just want to remind us all again that we're not living for this world. We're living for the world to come. Samson, like so many, is a man who had such great potential to do big things for God, and yet he valued very little his spiritual privileges and wound up in self-destruction. How sad indeed it is when people set aside, set at naught the things of God to, and live only to please themselves. Such was the case of this man by the name of Samson. He disregarded the Word of God. He disregarded the the will of God, and because of that, he lived only to please himself. And as we approach our text tonight, we find that Samson is in a real mess. You know, any time a child of God 
begins to live to please themselves, mark her down, we're always going to find ourselves in a real mess. And Samson is in a real mess. I might even say it like this. Man, he's in a pickle. He is in real trouble. You see, we find down in verse number 8 that Samson has just killed a bunch of these Philistines. In fact, if you look at verse number 8, the Bible said that Samson smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Now that phrase, hip and thigh, we, don't, we wouldn't say anything like that today, but in Old Testament times, if you use that phrase, he did something hip and thigh. It meant like this. It meant he did something cruelly or he did something viciously. In other words, Samson has just cruelly and just viciously killed a bunch of Philistines. Verse number 8 says that he, he smote them, and verse number 8, with a great slaughter. He left not a one of them standing. Well, when the rest of the nation of the Philistines finds out what Samson has done, the Bible said that they gather their armies together and they go up to Judah seeking to destroy Oh, Samson, if you look there at verse number 9, the Bible said that they came up in the land of Judah and they spread themselves abroad in Lehi. Now, i got to get this picture. Get this picture in your mind. Get it in my mind before I move on. I think here's Samson. He's killed all these Philistines and he's went and he's living up on top of a rock. And while he's there, these Philistines invade the land of Judah and there's so many of these soldiers the Bible said that they spread themselves abroad in the land of Lehi. Probably looked like a bunch of grasshoppers. I mean, man, they covered the entire earth and they come down to destroy this man by the name of Samson. So here's Samson, one man against the thousands and thousands of soldiers from the land of Philistia. Now, I don't necessarily want to talk about this battle because we know at the end of this chapter, Samson's going to pick up the jawbone of a dead donkey and he's going to whoop a bunch of these Philistines with the jawbone of this dead donkey. You say, preacher, uh, tell us what that means typically. Well, I'll tell you what it means. It means he picked up a jawbone of a dead donkey and whooped a bunch of Philistines. That is what it means. But I don't want to focus on the battle. I want to focus on some things that said around this rock by the name of Etam. If you look at verse 11, I have underscored in my Bible three statements that are made around this rock that I want to share with you tonight. First of all, if you look at verse 11, the first statement is this, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? The second statement I want us to consider in this message tonight, verse number 11, is this one, the last of verse number 11, where Samson says, As they did unto me, so have I done unto them. And then the last statement is there in verse number 12 where the Bible said that we are come down to bind thee that we may deliver thee into the hands of the Philistines. Hey, can I stop and say what sad, sad confessions, what sad statements that are made around this rock by the name of Etam. Now, just reading that, you're probably thinking, Preacher, man, I'm not with you. I don't get all this. But let me go back and just read them again, make a few comments, and we're going to be done. First, first of all, look at verse number 11. Let's think about this first statement, the statement that says this, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? I'm calling that, number one, the confession, the confession of a bound life. 
the confession of a bound life. Now, the people of Judah, they have saw these armies of these Philistines invade their countryside. I mean, they're spread out. They're everywhere. And then the Bible said that they go to these Philistines and they say, man, what in the world is going on? And these Philistines say, man, we've come to get Samson. And so these men of Judah, then they go to Samson and they make this statement to Samson, what in the world... Have you done, Samson? Why have you brought all these Philistines into our land? And then they said this, Samson, don't you know that these Philistines are rulers over us? In other words, they've just accepted the fact that they are supposed to be living under the rule of the Philistines. You know, it's a sad day any time that God's people just accept things, that this is just the way things have got to be in our lives. Hey, can I just remind us all that God had not purposed the nation of Israel to live under the rule of the Philistines? In fact, if you think back concerning the nation of Israel, we remember from our Old Testament history that God had delivered the nation of Israel from the bondage that they were in while they were down in the land of Egypt. In fact, for over 400 years, Israel dwelt in Egyptian bondage, day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, year in. I mean, man, they lived in hard and bitter bondage. There they were down in the land of Egypt making straw out of the slime pits of Egypt or gathering straw to make bricks out of the slime pits of Egypt. They had nothing to look forward to whatsoever. And then God broke through their time of bondage and God delivered Israel from the land of bondage. In fact, we read this in the book of Exodus chapter 32 verse 11. And this is what the Bible said. Thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power. Thou hast brought forth, speaking of the nation of Israel, out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. In other words, God brought them out of bondage. God didn't intend for His people to live in bondage. So God delivered them from the bondage of Egypt and God brought them into the land of Canaan. He brought them out of a life of being overcome and He brought them into a land of being overcomers. God brought them out of the land of being victims and God brought them into the land of being victors. God delivered His people from bondage. And yet, we read in our text tonight that the nation of Israel said, Hey, Samson, don't you get it, son? We are in bondage. We are in servitude. These Philistines are ruling over us. Isn't it sad when God's people who have been set free go back into bondage again? Isn't it sad? The Bible said that when Jesus sets us free, that we're free indeed. And buddy, God never intended for me and you, now that we're saved, to live our lives in bondage. God intended for us to live in freedom. God intended for us to live in spiritual liberty and spiritual victory. And yet many times, those of us that are saved get off the chain, get out of bondage only to turn around because of our sin and to go right back into bondage once again. You know, for years, and I've, I've, told, I've told our church before about this, but for years we, have, we had an old dog at our house. She was a yellow lab, and her name was Lucy. We named her Lucy, and that's short for Lucifer, because she was one bad dude. I mean, she was a bad dog. She was constantly, I don't know if it was just her nature, but I mean, she chewed up, she chewed the house up. 
I mean, she chewed, she chewed toys up. She chewed, she chewed. Uh, she'd go to the neighbor's house, get stuff out of their garage, bring it up to our house, chew it up. I mean, it was nothing. The neighbors were constantly calling our house. Have you seen this? I mean, she drug golf clubs up, baseball bats, Christmas lights. I mean, man, whatever, that dog was one bad dog. And because of that, because the neighbors were upset about her dragging stuff up all the time, we had to chain her. We chained her to a tree. I drove a steel peg in the ground, I mean a steel rod in the ground, underneath a big old poplar tree. It sits over on the side of our house. I don't know how in the world that dog getting getting struck by lightning. I put her out there hoping she'd get struck by lightning, but she never did. I mean, it bounced off trees around there, but I mean, that dog never got struck by lightning. And, and she, boy, I'm telling you, when she went on the chain, it broke her spirit. I mean, you could stand over there in the driveway and you could holler at her and you could throw a ball out there where she was or whatever. I mean, she wouldn't even get, it broke her spirit to get on that chain. But every afternoon when I left church, when I got home, if it was still daylight, I'd go out there and let her off the chain. And when I let that dog off the chain, I mean, she was running like a mad dog. She was so happy to be off that chain. She'd run, she'd run circles around the house. She'd flip over. I mean, she was just tickled to death to be off that chain. You know, when you got saved by the grace of God, you know what God did? God let you off the chain of sin. That's the reason sometimes in our services around here, people will get up and they'll run around the church like a mad dog. Somebody said, what's wrong with them? I'll tell you what's wrong. They're glad to be off the chain, friend. You know what's wrong with most of us? And I said us. I said us. What's most of us is, what's the problem is with most of us is we've gotten used to being off the chain. Yeah, man. We just take it for granted now that God has let us off the chain. But you know, at nighttime, I'd have to go back out there and chain her back up again. And once again, it would break her spirit. And I got to thinking, you know, that's a picture of the nation of Israel. God let them off the chain. And yet, because of their sin and their disobedience, they went right back on the chain again. God delivered them from bondage, but what's so sad is they only come out of bondage to go back into bondage once again. In fact, the reason they went back into bondage again was because of their sin and their disobedience to God. We read back in Judges 13 in verse number 1 where the Bible said the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Hey, I want to tell you, it's sad when God's people who've been let off off the chain. Go back on the chain again. I may be speaking to somebody tonight and God years ago let you off the chain. Years ago God broke the bondage of sin in your life only for you now to, to rebel against God, to disobey God and, and, and to allow yourself to go back into bondage once again. I wonder who I'm speaking to tonight and you got off the chain of sin but now you're on, you're on the chain of bondage to drugs or pornography or immoral living or to alcohol or to gambling. Listen, you've been set free. Listen, God intends for you to live in freedom. God intends for you to live in liberty. Listen, it's not God's plan for you to live in bondage. Don't you think this is just the way it's got to be? You hear me and hear me well as long as God is alive tonight. You don't have to live like that. God died to set you free. 
Don't accept that as just the way that things have got to be in your life. Just as God sent Israel a Savior to liberate them from the land of Egypt in the person of Moses. And just as God sent them a, a deliverer to deliver them from the bondage of the Philistines. Thank God, God has sent us a Savior in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, to set us free from the bondage of sin. Listen, it don't have to be like this. Don't you ever think, man, don't you just know the Philistines are just going to rule over our lives. That's not God's plan. That's not God's will. That's the confession of a bound soul, friend, a bound life. Knowest thou not that the Philistines rule over us? God help you and me to know God intends for nobody to rule over us other than His Son, Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? Amen. The confession, the confession of a bound life. But now we read another confession. Look again at verse number 11. Stay with me now. Here's another confession that is made in our text. So these men, the Philistines, come and they spread themselves out. The men of Judah ask these Philistines, verse number 10, Why are y'all here in our land? Why have you invaded us? What have we done to make y'all mad at us? Verse number 10, hey, we, we've come after Samson. They come in verse number 11. They go to Samson and said, Samson, what in the world have you done? And I want you to notice Samson's response in verse number 11. Here it is. He said unto them, last phrase, as they did unto me, so have I done unto them. Now that first confession is the confession of a bound life. But the second confession is one that I would call the confession of a bitter soul. So the men of Judah said, Samson, what in the world have you done to these Philistines? And Samson said, what they did to me, I have done unto them. Now I've got to stop and tell you what the Philistines had done to Samson. Back at the start of this, cha uh, this chapter, Samson's wife has been killed by these Philistines. They have gone up against Samson's wife and, and uh, her daddy. Samson has gone into the land there in verse number 3 and verse number 4. He's caught 300 foxes. By the way, a man has to be filled with the power of God to catch 300 foxes. And he caught them. He tied their tails together. He put firebrands in between their tails, let these foxes go run through the, the, the fields, and he's burnt their fields down. Well, when, uh, when uh, these Philistines find out that Samson's burnt up their fields, and that they're going to have a meager supply of food for the next winter because all their, their, their harvest has been burnt up, they get mad at Samson's wife. And the Bible said there in verse number 5, verse number 6, they go down to where Samson's wife lived, and the Bible said in verse number 6 that they burn her and they burn her daddy's house with fire. So now they've killed Samson's wife. And by the way, can I tell you this? Samson should have never married her to start with. And by the way, back up the start of this chapter, what's really happening is Samson's left her and he went home. He just got tired of her. He called her a heifer and he left. That's right. He called her a heifer. He said, you wouldn't have found my riddle out. He hadn't plowed my heifer. You're welcome. Read into that whatever you want to. But in verse number 18 of chapter 14, he said, you wouldn't have found my riddle out if you hadn't plowed with my heifer. Called his wife a heifer. I think of some nicer things you'd want to call your wife. And then in chapter, so verse number, chapter 15, Samson went home. He left his wife. While, while he's left her, her daddy steps in and she marries another man. 
when he comes back, he wants to come back into his wife. I tell you, this boy's life is a mess. Sounds like uh, another world or a hope for tomorrow or whatever. Comes on TV, them, them soap operas. He comes back, wants to take his wife, and her daddy said, you can't have her. She's done being given to another man. But he said, I'll tell you what, I got her sister. And she's prettier than one you're married to anyway. Let me just give you her sister. Boy, Samson is mad about that. Catches those foxes, burns their, their fields up. These Philistines come down, kill his wife, and Samson is a man that's full of rage. Samson is a man that is full of anger. Now, I told you right up the start, listen to me, Samson's been called by God to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And he's been anointed by God to do that, but in this chapter, what we find Samson doing is not because that this is God's plan for his life. What he's doing now, he's doing it out of rage. And he's doing it out of anger. In verse number 12, verse 11, Samson said, Hey, what they've done to me, I've done to them. I'm calling that the confession of a bitter soul. What Samson said there in verse number 11 would be the same as our saying this. You know, we hear this a lot in our day. I don't get mad. I get even. And that's what he's saying. Samson was mad about what had been done to his wife. She'd given away his riddle. He'd left the marriage in a huff. His wife was then given to somebody else. Man, when he come back and wanted her, he couldn't have her. And he's a man that is full of rage. He's a man that is full uh, of anger. And the reason that he smote them fit, hip and thigh is because he's a man that's full of rage and a man that is full of anger. And he's acting out of his rage and his anger. You know something? People will get bitter and full of rage and anger and hatred and they'll wind up doing things that they should never do because they're being fueled by their hatred and their anger and their bitterness and their rage. One of my favorite movies to watch, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie or not, but it's one of my favorite movies. I have it recorded on our television and I like to watch it. And when I watch it, the room empties because none of the... I live with a bunch of women. I got a woman wife, a woman daughter, two women dogs, and a woman chicken. I live with women. And let me tell you something. Women don't like this movie, but it's called Jeremiah Johnson. How many of y'all have ever seen Jeremiah Johnson? Y'all, where have you been all of your life? Have you seen it, brother? Praise God for somebody that's seen Jeremiah Johnson. But what happens, old Jeremiah Johnson, it's based upon a true story. And his name, his real name was not Jeremiah Johnson. His real name was Liver Eaton Johnson. That's right. Back in 1847, what happened was this man, he married a wife. And while he was gone, the Crow Indians come in and they, and they, kill, his, they kill his wife. Well, after he had buried his wife, he determined that he was going to seek revenge on those who had killed his wife. So he kept set out for the rest of his life, 20 more years of his life, he set out to kill as many Crow Indians as he could. But he just didn't kill them because after he killed them, he would cut their liver out and eat it. That's the reason he was called Liver Eaton Johnson. Now that's why you don't like that movie, I guess. Every time I turn that movie on, it's like, man, I mean, it's like, the, the, I don't know what's happened, but everybody leaves that room. Nobody wants to see Jeremiah Johnson. Oh, liver-eating Johnson.
for 20 years of his life, he killed every Crow Indian that he came across, cut their liver out, and ate it. Can I tell you something? It is sad indeed for a man or a woman to live their life in bitterness, rage, anger, and hatred. You know, in reality, what we're saying when we want to get revenge on somebody? You know, the Bible says this, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I'll repay. And any time somebody does us wrong, and I'm not denying that, I'm not, I'm not belittling that, we've all been done wrong. Every one of us have. There's been people that have hurt us. There have been people that have, that have said things, uh, told lies about us, people that have, that have uh, taken something from us, people that have hurt us deeply. But ladies and gentlemen, when that happens, our, our, our mentality ought not to be like Samson. Well, they did it to me. <laughs> I did it to them. Man, that's, that's a purely worldly viewpoint, attitude of how to get back at people. The Bible said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I'll repay. Can I tell you, when we're done wrong, what we ought to do is just step back and say, God, you've seen it. God, you know about it. And God, I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to leave this in your hands because I realize you can do a much better job of getting back at people than I could ever do. You know, our idea of getting back at somebody is baking them a chocolate cake and putting x lax in it or something. Boy, we're going to get them, praise God. But can I tell you something? God can do a much better job of settling scores than you and I could ever dream of doing. When it comes to vengeance, our attitude ought not to be, they did it to me, I have done it unto them. But ladies and gentlemen, that ought not be the attitude of God's people. God's people are called to a higher standard of living. Our attitude ought to be one of, as best we possibly can, forgiveness, letting it go, and trusting God to settle the score. Amen. We have the confession, the confession, we have the confession of a bound life. We have the confession of a bitter soul. But then if you'll jump down to uh, verse number 12, there's one final confession that's made, and that's this in verse 12. They said, Samson, we're come down to bind thee. Now this is his people talking now. This is the, the Israelites talking. We have come down to bind thee that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. Isn't that sad? I mean, here, here is a nation of people. And to me, this has to be the saddest confession of all because the nation at this time is actually dwelling in a, in a, in a place of spiritual blindness. The thing that bothers me, hey, we've come down to bind thee, Samson, and we're going to turn you over to the Philistines. I like what Warren Wiersbe said about this. He said, in the whole story of Samson, this is the only place that we find Israel mustering an army but they're not getting an army together to go out and fight with the Philistines. They're getting an army together to deliver one of their own into the hand of their enemy. In fact, as I look at this story, I don't think these people have any idea who Samson is. I mean, look at verse number 11. They said this in verse number 11. Why They asked these Philistines, why have you come up against us? Verse 10 they didn't even know why the Philistines had invaded their land. Evidently, they were ignorant of what Samson had been called by God to do. I mean, man, they have no idea. They have no idea who Samson is and what he's done. In fact, in verse number 11, they ask him, Hey, what have you done? 
Why are they here? Why are they upset? Why are they angry? It's sad that the nation, that God was moving in that nation, and the nation was unaware of God working and moving in their midst. God had sent them a deliverer to deliver them from the oppression that they were living in, and they were completely ignorant of what God was doing. Boy, you know our nation is pretty much in that boat today. God has sent us a deliverer uh, to deliver us from the bondage of sin in the person of the Lord Jesus, and our nation is, is blind to that in these days. I read just, uh, just this week on the Internet, I read this, uh, this segment that was on the news there about how up in Michigan, and that, this, this just happened just this past fall, up in Michigan that they had to rearrange football, high school football practices because so many of the high school football players are now Muslims and they have to rearrange practice so that it fits into the feast and the fast of the Muslim people that live there. So instead of having football practice after school or whatever, they have to have it after midnight so they can finish their fasting so the boys can come out and practice football. I thought, man, wouldn't it be wonderful if they fit the football schedule around the church schedule? Hey, wouldn't it be wonderful if they wanted to honor the Lord Jesus as much as they do Allah? Allah, voila, Allah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Our nation is, is in the process of serving every God but the right God. And they're ignorant of the fact that God has sent us a Savior in the person of the Lord Jesus, and they don't even know anything about Him. Amen, preacher. They're ignorant of who Samson really was. And then if you'll notice in our text, according to verse 13, they come down, they get a hold of old Samson and say, Samson, listen, we're going to give you over into the hands of these Philistines. Now, can I tell you something? I have made much tonight about how carnal, worldly, and fleshly that Samson, that Samson is in this whole story. But can I tell you in verse 13, I think Samson becomes a type of Christ in verse number 13 because the Bible said in this text that they, uh, they come down, these men of Judah, and the Bible said they come down and they, they bind him. They don't know who he is. They don't know what he's done. They don't know why, why God, how God is using this man. They have no concept of that whatsoever. You know, our Bible does say this, that Jesus was in the world and the world knew him not. Our Bible does say that he came into his own, and his own received him not. He was unknown in the very world that he had created, unknown by the very people that he had been, that he come to save. By and large, this world today still doesn't know who Jesus is. Many people will say that he was a good man. He was a miracle worker. He was a prophet, a teacher. He was a philanthropist. But I'm here to tell you, he was more than that. He was God who came in the flesh. He was God's Son who entered this world, ladies and gentlemen, to die on the cross so that you and I could be saved from our sins. Thank God for Jesus. But the Bible said here in verse 13 that they bound old Samson. The Bible said there in verse number 13 that they, they delivered him into the hands of the enemy. Now, I can't help but see a picture of the Lord Jesus in this. Because we know 
that the, the nation of Israel came and they bound the very Son of God. The Bible said that they delivered Him into the hands of the Roman officials. So they bound Him. They delivered Him into the hands of the enemy. And by the way, if you look at verse number 13, Samson was willing to let them bind Him. He was willing. He, he submitted, verse 13, He submitted to their binding. Boy, aren't you glad Jesus submitted to the binding? Aren't you glad that Jesus submitted to the crucifying? And the Bible said these men of Judah said, Now look, we're going to bind you with these new cords and we're going to bring you down and we're going to deliver you into the hands of these Philistines. But then we know the rest of the story. That when those Philistines come upon him, there stood old Samson bound on top of that rock. They thought for sure that they had him. But the Bible said when they came up on top of that rock that he snapped the binding away, took a jawbone of a dead donkey and whooped a thousand Philistine soldiers with that jawbone of a dead donkey. Hey, I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord Jesus submitted to the binding of man on earth. Yes, sir. But I'll tell you, on the morning of the third day, Jesus stepped out of that tomb, snapped the binding away, and declared himself to be alive, and alive forevermore. And he defeated the enemy once and for all on a place called Calvary. And thank God those of us who know him can be set free from the bondage of our sin. Thank God for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a Savior we have. Boy, I don't want to live in blindness to you. I tell you what, I want people to know who this Jesus is. And I want him, I want our world to know he's the one that God has appointed and God has anointed to be the Savior of the entire world. In fact, if you'll look down in this chapter, verse 14, when they came up there where old Samson was, the Bible said they shouted against him. They thought they had him. Amen. They thought they had him right where they wanted him. But God, the Holy Ghost, had a different plan. The Bible said there in verse number 14, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loosed from off his hands. Oh, I'm glad that's what happened to my Savior. On the morning of the third day, the world shouted. The imps of hell shouted. We've got him. It's finished. It's done. He, he is dead. We'll never hear from him again. But on the morning of the third day, the Spirit of God breathed life back into the nostrils of the dead Son of God. And he walked out of that, out of that tomb and snapped the cords that had him bound. And he is today our Savior and our Savior forevermore. You don't have to say it. Let me say it. Amen. And amen. Thank God for our Savior today. Amen. Do you know Him tonight? Are you living in blindness as to who Jesus really is? Well, I'd like to encourage you tonight, if you don't know Jesus, I'd like to encourage you to bow your head and your heart before Him tonight and receive Him as the Lord and the God of your life. Well, let me speak a moment to those who may be listening that God let off the chain only for you to get chained back up again. Can I speak a word to those that may be listening tonight that are saved, but your life, like Samson's life, has become a real mess? Because of your sin and your disobedience to God, you find yourself in a place that you never dreamed you'd find yourself in. You see yourself 
bondage and, and, and bound in shackles and chains once again to this vice or that vice. Hey, can I tell you something? That's never been God's plan for you to live like that. God is a God of liberty and not a God of bondage. I'd like to encourage you tonight. Why don't you once and for all? Why don't you tonight allow the Lord Jesus? Aren't you glad the shed blood of Jesus can, can break the shackles of sin and set you free and you once again can enjoy life off the chain? All you got to do is call upon Jesus. I hope you'll do that tonight. Let's pray. Father.